Hi, it's Dune here, your host and hype girl. And before we dive into today's episode, I want you to take a hot second to reflect. What's that passion, unique experience, or knowledge you have itching to be shared with the world? For me, it's always been about guiding you and cheerleading incredible women to start your businesses. So what's your thing? You see, everyone's got something they excel at, something they just can't stop talking about. And it turns out that one of the best ways to monetize those passions is through sharing that thing with the world as a digital course product. My life's work has been to chat with more than 600, 7, 8, and 9-figure e-commerce founders. And it's through those conversations that have led me to creating a foolproof playbook and my go-to guide for early-stage founders in the form of my first-ever digital program, e-commerce fundamentals. But it wouldn't have been possible without Thinkific. The beauty of this platform lies in its simplicity. Cute templates and a super easy to use editor. No coding headaches, no tech-induced stress, just pure focus on what matters most, the content. So if you've ever been curious about building a course to teach your passion, this is the way to do it. The genuine support from the Thinkific team turns it from this lonely, confusing headache into the most fulfilling and easy project. Go to the link in my show notes to get a free trial on me. This is Isabel Agard for Female Startup Club. Hey everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Female Startup Club podcast. I'm your host, Duna Rasheen, and joining me on the show today is Isabel Agard, one of the co-founders behind the sustainable startup, Last Object. Last Object is creating sustainable, reusable alternatives to replace single-use items in your bathroom, like the Q-tip, tissues, and cotton pads, with many more to come. A big part of this episode is talking about the incredible Kickstarter campaign that put them on the map, reaching their goal in just 22 minutes and going on to raise over $1.3 million over the following months. We dig into how they built their email database and how much it cost to acquire the initial 40,000 subscribers that led to the success of the campaign. This is Isabel for Female Startup Club. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... 
Alright, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply. If rated PG. Hey Dave. Yeah Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and t-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Isabel, thank you so much for joining me on Female Startup Club today. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to dig into this. I always start by getting you to introduce yourself, tell us a little bit about who you are and what your company actually is. Yes, of course. Well, I am Isabel Agard, and I am a co- I'm the co-founder of a Last Object, which launched Last Swap as our first product. And now I think we've been in the market one and a half years. So we have four products now. Uh, live. So it's great. We do reusable alternatives to single use uh, items. So it's, you know, your typical Q-tip that you use all the time. We've made a reusable version. We've introduced tissues, a more modern version of the handkerchief, and uh, and now also cotton rounds and uh, and spray and mask. So, yeah. So cool. It's so cool. Um, I think I mentioned to you before, I came across you guys on Instagram about a year ago when you had launched Last Swab and you've been on my radar ever since. So I'm super excited to dig in and learn everything there is to learn about what you've been up to. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> so happy when the, when people find us through Instagram because we use a lot of energy on that platform. So it's uh, great that it's working. <laughs> it is. It is indeed. Can you take us back to your life before Last Object and what you were doing, what you were up to, what was getting you interested in launching your own business? Yes, I was. uh, What was I doing right before? It feels like 100 years ago, but it's really not. (laughs) Uh, Well, I was um, I was working for uh, actually some different hospitals in Denmark. Uh, I had uh, at my studies studies. done a design for chemotherapy so um like a bag that could have chemotherapy so you could take it home it was this whole new treatment form that we did in collaboration with patients and nurses that was awesome it's so great and then that kind of weirdly as a designer it's not a typical place you kind of end up but I just ended up in the healthcare system and there was amazing work uh, great great experiences uh, also tough but um yeah so I was doing a lot of different things um I had 
kind of moved out of the of the more serious uh, departments because I felt it was very hard to to do it for such a, a long period of time. But um, at the I think right before I had done actually a, a maternity ward, so I had to sign them. When you have babies delivered, you have to be really quick about having tools close to you. And there's a whole, it can, of course, typically go very smooth, but there can also be critical points. So it was all about like organizing the rooms, making sure that it was the most efficient, but also comfortable room to have a birth in. Yeah, amazing. So when you're saying you were doing design, do you mean you were like a product designer by trade? Well, by trade, I'm actually a co-designer, which is a collaborative designer. So what I specialize in is designing with people. That's why I kind of end up in these weird businesses in a sense. Um, So, for example, when I was working at the hospitals, I would, um, with the hospital staff, I would design maybe a bag, maybe it was a workflow, maybe it was a service, maybe it was an app. It could be anything, like the outcome could be anything. It was more about solving a problem. Mm, that's so cool. I actually hadn't heard of that before. Love that. And at what point did you have like that light bulb moment that you thought, okay, I'm going to start my own thing now and I'm going to find some co-founders or, or I know your brother is a co-founder, but you're... Your two co-founders, how did you guys come up with the idea to start your own business? Yes, well, um, my brother, as you mentioned, uh, who's the other um, third of our company, is um, he's also a designer. He's more of a furniture designer, so he's very much about form. And, and Cole was his like longtime design partner uh, they met at school. So they had a company where they were doing a lot of different things. They had actually bought like a, a huge... Um, building and they were renting it out to all these designers. They were doing something completely different. But we had an office space together, us three. So we started talking about just over lunch. I was doing, I was also doing some laser cut stuff for different companies. And so we were kind of spread out, but we kept like coming back to the question, what do we really want to do? And what actually inspires us? Where we, we feel like we were doing something that really meant something. And even though like it's very meaningful for me, the work that I did at the hospital, I just felt like it wasn't what I wanted to do. So we started exploring it and sustainability just came really high up on that list. And then we started talking about if we really had to go into something, we didn't just want to go in and, you know, make a sustainable chair. We wanted to do something that really had power that had that could make a difference in very few years. And this is where we actually stumbled over single use. So we started to, you, we would already see that in the market we had straws, we had all these different um, alternatives to maybe the reuse or the um, single use straw. So there were already, you know, the movement was already starting and we saw there were a lot of design elements where nobody had really looked at them for many years or nobody had, had a, ever tried to actually solve it. Like, the Q-tip. So, um, yeah, so this is, this was our moment of, oh my God, this is actually a field. We could do a collection. We just have to start from one end to the other. And, uh, and then last swap emerged from that idea and that want. And we felt like that design was very clean and very, it, it just really 
told the story about what we wanted to do. Gosh, that's so cool. Did you use your like co-design mindset to meet up with people and figure out what they would want in something like this as a product? Well, actually, like throughout everything that we've done, we've been very involved with people. And it's it's kind of weird because it's not something that I go to work and I'm like, I'm a co-designer. Like I'm going to ask <laughs> 10 people on my way to on my way to the office. It's something that we all just like automatically do now. So for example, um, when we launched it on, on a crowdfunding platform, we actually used a lot of the amazing tools it is to have this crowd of people who look at your product and can come with feedback. Oh no, I wanted that color. And couldn't this be fun? And like, so we already there had like a digital conversation with already customers. So this was something that was very co-creation wise in a really big scale, but I had never done it like that. I was much more like one-to-one, but we did of course test our products and talk to, when we started doing the beauty version, we started talking to a lot of beauty people because I didn't actually know that much about makeup and the boys weirdly enough didn't either. So we, uh, so that's where we really needed uh, more of uh, an expert. And also just everyday people, like how many do you use and how can we, uh, what would be the best for you? And yeah. And so when you had that, you've had the idea, you've started talking to people, you've realized that, you know, the idea would be validated. You've realized that people want this. There's the movement now. What are the next steps? Like, are you prototyping straight away? Are you building a website? What, what happens next? What we did was that we we do as much as we can possibly at the same time because everything takes time and you just want to like get your things out there. So as a designer, often you just kind of sit on your idea like, oh my God, this is amazing design. Like this is just going to be great. And then you just like go, then you just run. And that's not necessarily that good of an idea because if you think it's awesome, maybe not, you know, a million people would think that is awesome at all. So we um we prototype a lot. We have maybe done, you know, a hundred different iterations on a Q-tip and it doesn't make sense. But like just the, the surface, the texture, the material. Um, we've been, should we do it in bamboo? Should we do it in metal? Like we've been in so many different directions. And then there's the box, you know. So we've really been around everything and we've, we try to get it. We do design a lot on our computers. So we really try to, you know, get it 3D printed, get it out in our hands, get it into other people's hands. Tell us, explain to us, how do you feel this is? How is your experience? Um, I would do like these small journals that people had to fill out um, just to like really get into like, get to, you know, go all the way home with them. <laughs> while they're using it and then uh, and then give us feedback. So that has been really important for us. And simultaneously, we did create some images, did a landing page so that we could test this on a bigger scale, not just, you know, the people that we have around us, but also do is this something that you would buy? Is this the price you would buy it for? So we A-B tested a lot uh, in both pricing, um, different colors, different versions, different ways of explaining what it is so that we could get sharper every day. We got more and more. We would do A-B testing every day. So every day we also had a decision to make. Oh, no. Okay. We have to 
definitely do it blue. Let's try the red. No, still the blue is best. Let's try the green. You know, so we we kept changing up and kept being more or kept becoming more and more sharp at explaining our story. And what were the kind of learnings you were seeing in terms of like the copy and the price point? What were people most resonating with? Well, of course, everything that we can get to, uh, everybody's just more willing to put less money into anything. So, you know, the cheaper, the better. But there was definitely a price range that was, you know, what would what does Q-tips, a box of Q-tips, what does that cost? There's something psychological there. And I think that is with all single-use items. Um, also, if you go and you you won't buy one tissue, but you'll buy a pack of a lot of tissues. But what is the price of that? And you don't want to defer too far away from that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so at that point, were your products actually, was the last swap actually for sale when you were A-B testing? Or was that you still trying to figure out what was going to be like for the launch? Yeah, it was it was not for sale. We're still prototyping on the side. We hadn't decided uh, on the specific materials. Uh, even when we launched on Kickstarter, I think that we changed some of the materials along the way because we found out that something was stronger, better. So things do change. Uh, yeah, so we, we didn't have it in our hands, the final version at all. Wow, that's so interesting. When you were doing the A-B testing, how were you getting enough traffic to kind of build a you know, a data, a set of data that was kind of enough to go off? We, we did a lot of Facebook um, marketing. I would say that's probably, we've done a lot of different things, but I think that's probably what has given us the most precise information um, and also something that we could scale pretty easily. So that's been our main, that and of course, Instagram, but that's, that came later on because you have to that wasn't something we were very sharp at in the beginning. And at that point, before the Kickstarter kind of comes into play, which we'll get to in a moment, how much had you invested of your personal money or or how were you funding the business to that point? Well, we had all three done uh, a lot of uh, things up until. So we knew that we could run without a salary for a while. So we were, you know, self-funded. And then we had put what would amount to about maybe 200,000 Danish crowns, which would be what, 20,000 pounds, maybe a little bit more. So, uh, so it wasn't, it wasn't that much and it was very scalable. So if we saw, for example, when we had launched the Kickstarter, if we saw, wow, okay, you know, the, we're getting clicks or email signups for this amount of money, then we could scale that up. We knew that we were going to get the money back because we knew typically, you know, approximately how how many would actually buy. So it was more of a, if we ran into some really successful campaigns, we could put more money. We didn't, we didn't sit and say like, we're only going to use this amount of money. <laughs> it was more of a, a feel and go. Right. So, okay, let's talk about the Kickstarter campaign because I'm super excited to get into this. I read that you reached your goal in something like 22 minutes. Um, You obviously got massive exposure. You got a lot of money through the campaign. Can you talk about that process, why you decided to launch on Kickstarter versus like going around and raising some money? And yeah, basically the, the whole story there. 
Well, I think that we we chose Kickstarter because of two reasons. First of all, like I also explained, we're kind of we design with people. We design not in our little ivory tower because I don't think that that's very uh, sustainable. And so what we wanted to do with Kickstarter was to validate, you know, is this something that we should put our energy into? Is this maybe we would do a little campaign and there were some that thought it was awesome. And, and then we would, you know, make sure that the products went there, but we didn't know how big this was. We didn't know like how well, how good this idea was. So for us, it was very much about the validation. We could economically have put it in production ourselves, but I don't, I don't think it would be sustainable to do it in that, in that way. And, um, and then I also think that there was also this thought and this, the whole business is built around less trash. It's built around producing something that will make sure that something else in the future is not produced. And I think that it's very, very important when we do this, that we also think through our own business model. So if I had gone out and I had put everything in production and then suddenly I had a warehouse full of something that nobody wanted or a color that nobody wanted or a version that nobody wanted, then that would have been trash. And, and I didn't want to, we didn't want to be in that situation. We, there would be the opposite of what we're going for. So it was also a way to be sustainable, to make sure that we could we could order exactly the amount of green last swaps that people wanted or blue or, you know, and also introduce a whole different color that people wanted. Um, so, so there was kind of our two main reasons to, to do a Kickstarter. And how long before the Kickstarter goes live, did you actually start preparing? So start planning out, you know, video, start working on your email subscribers, start putting the message out to people. What was that timeline like? Well, I think that everything was done very simultaneously, but about two months before we launched our Kickstarter, we started to work on it video-wise and everything went really fast actually. But it was also because we were we're doing everything at the same time. So we're producing a you know, uh, we had like spray painted the swabs that were used in the video, you know, everything. There was no like <laughs> real prototypes. There was no nothing. Everything was kind of like, this is going to happen, but it hasn't happened. Yeah, right. And so what specifically were you doing in the lead up to kind of generate that interest so that when you actually went live, people bought? We had, we'd collected a huge email list. And this is something when, when people ask me if, if I have like a, some kind of golden, uh, <laughs> a golden ticket to how to make a successful campaign, really, really do email collections. Because first of all, it's a really good pre-validation of your product, but it's also a way to make sure that you get a really good first day on your Kickstarter. So what we did was that we had done a landing page explaining like, you know, here, uh, be, get an early bird, 45% off of our Kickstarter if you sign up with your email. So we had a list of 40,000 emails that were ready, that wanted to buy that. And, and this was just like a couple of weeks before that we had like kind of started building this list. So it wasn't an old list. It was very new. It was somebody that had just seen our campaign or ad and had said, okay, I, yeah, I want to hear more about that. 
So, so that gave us a really good big first start. And when you say that only happened a few weeks before you, um, before you launched the Kickstarter, so obviously it's fresh in everyone's mind. That's amazing. But how did you actually get the 40,000 subscribers? Well, that was more or less uh, our ads. And also we done a lot of, we did a lot of um, outreaches to like mini influencers on Instagram. So we had like a list of a thousand mini influencers that had just, you know, maybe 2,000, 5,000 followers. And we had said that if uh, this is what we're doing, we'd love to send you a sample if you if if you wanted to to hear more about more about this product, so this and then the email collection, which was more of an ads on Facebook that redirected to our landing page, which was right up your email here. So like these things kind of co-created the email list. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And are you able to share the kind of cost investment that you used to get the forty thousand subscribers? Well, I think that was actually, uh, that was more or less those 200,000. That was what we used our money for. Right. Uh, right. On, okay. Got it. We didn't use our money on anything else because, you know, that's just our time. Wow. That's amazing. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... 
Alright, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Okay, so launch day. You put the word out there. 22 minutes rolls by. Tell me about this moment. What happens? It was absolutely crazy. We had like, I think two weeks before we launched, my brother said like, I actually think this could, this could actually be pretty huge. Like we're converting <laughs> really well. And, and Cole was also like, we were just sitting in the office, like kind of, I don't know. We we're like, is this, did we really hit a nerve here? Cause we've done a lot of different, also Kickstarters that we're like, uh. so it was also like, okay, maybe, um, maybe this is actually big. And on launch day, we were, we just, I think I, I used the whole entire day at just looking and then updating the Kickstarter <laughs> campaign, just like looking at those numbers, like, Oh my God, we have 500 backers now. Oh my God, we have a thousand backers. What are we going to do? Can we even produce this? You know, so. Had you found a factory or anything like that at that point? Yeah, I think we had five different that we were testing out. Right, right, right. Okay. And so how long did the Kickstarter go live for? A month, if I remember correctly. A month, maybe one and a half. Yeah. And then I think I read that you... I I didn't see what your original goal was, but you made something like $700,000 and then you pivoted into Indiegogo. Yeah, I think that that could be right. I actually don't remember. <laughs> okay, so amazing, amazing all the same. What happens next? You raise a ton of money. You're like, okay, we've really struck a nerve. People want this. <laughs> the world needs this. We actually like hit the nail on the head. What happens next? Um, we ran, like, we continued winning the campaign on Indiegogo, uh, which was really nice because we didn't really have the web shop up and running. And then when we closed that down, we made like a pre-order on our website. So we said like, okay, and and all of this simultaneously while we were working with the with a factory with a couple of factories, um, and still trying to make sure the quality was good enough and everything was like playing and the packaging and you know everything else and how we would ship it and because from here it was really a logistics um problem not problem but it was a logistic um, assignment because we wanted we didn't want everything to be shipped from you know one place because co2 wise that was just awful um and we had a lot of sales in the u.s but we also had a lot in europe so what we did was that we found two warehouses one in the u.s and then one in Europe um, and also one in Asia. And then we got everything like big shipments shipped there to then be shipped out. Um, so this was the, a way for us to make sure that we could really, we had a very low CO2 um, outlet for transport. And uh, yeah, so that was more or less what we, what we used all those months for. That's crazy. I guess you forget about that kind of thing because it makes total sense. You want to build a sustainable brand, but then you've got to think about the the things that are below the surface that the end consumer doesn't actually think about. They're thinking that they've just bought this amazing product. But yeah, if it's being shipped from all the way over the other side of the world, maybe it's not so sustainable. Totally. That's really interesting. 
And so what were the kind of learnings that came out of the Kickstarter that you've been able to take into your most recent Kickstarter? Was there anything unexpected that kind of happened that you were able to foresee now for the most recent campaign? So we're getting more and more sharp to how to build the campaigns, how how long we should, you know, build a, an email list and how these how important actually these um campaign or, or the um, launch sites are also to explaining how or just in general actually we also ended up changing some of the wording and how we kind of framed our whole project throughout the campaign because we could see that people kept asking like but but I don't understand do you wash it and we're like yes of course you wash it oh shit we have to actually put that in you know pretty far up so there were there were just like small things very like how you use it very uh, where I'm like well of course you wash it but of course that doesn't make sense when you just see the product and when you know it's a q-tip so uh, so I think those things very usability wise um they had to be explained. It was also really nice for us to actually in the next campaign to already know how the packaging would be because it sells, especially when you are, you are working with um, an eco-friendly uh, as an eco-friendly brand, you really want to make sure that you have as little things in the package as possible. So all of our packaging is sleek all the information is on it. So there's no, there's nothing added um, we also found out that it was actually really important to be aware of plastic in the shipments because shipping facilities are not very zero waste uh, based. So explaining and wanting them to put paper into the uh, into the packages or to not have plastic in it, that was actually very difficult. And we actually had to go away from a couple of, of companies just because they could not solve the problem. Um, so yeah, all these different, there were a lot of different learnings. Um, and, and we still learn, like even the last campaign that we did last week, we've like sat down and just like noted 50 new things that we have to do next time. What are some of those things? From the the campaign right now, Mm -hmm. we have to be in general, we have to be very sharp with, um, people really love numbers. They love, okay, if I buy this, I will, I will reduce this. And what does that amount to? Oh, okay. That is, you know, 10,000 liters of water or that is, you have to be really precise because it, and, and it is, it's a very comp, like sustainability in it, in itself is very complex because you could see it from so many different angles and there's production, of course, and there's also chemicals and there's also, um, should it be organic or non-organic? And what is actually the right thing to do here? Where is it? being produced how is it being shipped in what way is it being packaged you know so and we also have to look at what the single use industry is doing so that we can you know weigh them up against each other i think it's important what we learn from that campaign now especially is that our design has to be as close to the reusable or to the non-reusable the single use item and not pivot too much into being very formed, being very, it really has to look like the, fir- the, the, the original item. That's a really interesting insight and one that I wouldn't have expected to hear. 
How funny. Yeah. I'm interested to know since that Kickstarter, the first Kickstarter campaign finished, how have you been growing and acquiring new customers since? Has it been more of the email subscribers or what's been your kind of main driver for growth? Well, I think like we always do, we, we do a lot of different things and we run on different parameters. We have, of course, our email list is, is important and it's really nice to, to build it with new customers. And, but there's also something really nice with the community in Kickstarter, which is nice to tap into. We've also done a lot of collaboration with other brands that are, that do similar things like us, which is very valuable. This can really, really grow. If you do it really well, you can grow a lot on just this because they have a list of people that want the same thing as your list. So, you know, merging those two lists are just very, very useful, especially if you can do it in a creative way and it's not like an email for an email because that doesn't really do that much. Um, social media, we have also been working a lot on getting into with different press releases, everything that we're talking about, um, using a lot of our energy in actually writing down we have a blog where we write about sustainability and about different ways that you can be a better contributor to a more sustainable world and why is bamboo not good or why is it good or why is cotton good or why is it not good? You know, trying to get into some of these conversations that I think are so interesting and so missed in our media right now. So that is something that we've also been working on. So we're doing a hundred different things. I, I could, I could keep talking. <laughs> <laughs> I'm interested to know if I can ask a little bit more about the, when you kind of co-collaborate with other brands who you were saying, you know, you have similar audiences that want the same products. What are those kind of creative ways you can partner so that it's not just an email for an email kind of thing? We did this really cool collaboration with a deodorant company called Nude. And they're doing this awesome um, deodorant, which is like, you know, non-toxic and non It's just completely clean, good for your skin and, uh, and plant-based and plastic and everything. So it's, it's a really nice company. They are about as big as we are having as many orders. So what we did was that we kind of, we got together and we were, we wanted to, of course, share and be completely open about sharing whatever media platforms we wanted to, but also we wanted to make a story together. So I think this is really strong when you can kind of, you know, take the two products, take a good picture with them together, talk about, okay, why is this really good? Well, we're actually, we're using the same kind of plastic because it's really good, this plastic. Um, and it is because of this and this and this. And, uh, you know, they had at that point uh, reached, I think, 200,000 armpits or something like this. And it was just it was a great way of like, oh, and, you know, we're into uh, we're into cleaning our armpit or having a less stinky armpit and cleaning our ears. You know, if you can kind of make sure that they can merge, it's two things that you want in your um, bathroom because they're awesome. You know, so I think though when you really work and not just promote other companies, oh, just look at this, this is really nice. But you really like everybody at the office had used the deodorant. You know, everybody at their office has last swap. You know, we really just merged ourselves with them, and that made a really strong campaign. Yeah, it sounds awesome. Love that. 
What's next for you guys? Where's the business at at the moment and what's the future look like? Well, we are, we have so many products that we want to, to create and we want to launch. Uh, we have some that are ready to start getting formed for, for a launch. Uh, we have versions of our existing products that we wanted to make. And then we just, in general, I think right now we're still really happy about being in the bathroom department. We have a lot of fun, hygienic products that we kind of still want to have a go at. But at some point, I think we'll move out and maybe get into the kitchen, you know, maybe get into the living room. So I think that's going to be really fun. Uh, I had a baby four months ago, so I'm also very affected about diapers and wipes and (laughs) all of this trash consuming situation that a baby kind of creates. So I think that there are a different, or I'm not saying we're going into diapers. I don't, I don't really know if we are, but I, I know that we really want to do different things in different areas. And I think that whatever, you know, we are going through us three designers, I think that's going to be, that will show in our products. Totally. You know, something I wanted to ask you, it just popped into my mind, your three designers, how do you kind of, who are the people that you're bringing into your team to kind of, you know, do the things that aren't within your kind of skill set outside of design? So things like marketing or logistics and operations and that kind of thing. Yes, I would say, first of all, we are three designers, but we're also three designers with kind of an edge into something else. So I also have a graphical design background. So I've done a lot of, you know, pictures and illustrations on the marketing side. Nikki uh, or Nicholas, he is very, very strong in business and has done everything about, he's created the logistics system that we have. And Cole is absolutely amazing at just in general, creating um, a way for us to, produce things sustainably. Um, so he's working with a lot of the different, so everybody has like a tap into something else. But with that said, we are so happy that we have a CEO now that has been actually a really, really big thing for us to have somebody who's much more strategic, much more sales oriented, actually. So, uh, so we got a CEO and then we got a CFO. That was also very, very important for us. <laughs> and he's also he's a CFO but also a COO so he's more about you know he's also sitting on all the logistics and uh, and they're top like top high 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 level people they're much like they're way uh what do you call it they're not out of our league that's something different but <laughs> they are um they're really 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 good uh, I feel like I'm a kid next to them so um so that's amazing to have like really professional people on the team. Yeah, totally. That is amazing. How big is the team now? We are six people at the office. So we also, we just hired a CMO and about, we have about 25 freelancers that are more or less full-time actually. Oh, wow. Cool. And what are the freelancers kind of, what, what roles do they fit into or categories do they fit into? Everything. Um, I think we actually, we were really, when we started the company, we said that we, we didn't want to be more than seven people because none of us are really good at managing people. And 
it wasn't really a wish to create a huge company with 200 employees. I think our wish was to kind of keep being the small, really intense, very high level core team and then having all of these amazing freelancers that really specific in each category. So we could, you know, we have one that just knows everything about Google ads, nothing about any other ads. Like that's just the only thing that he does. And in the same way, we have one on social media. We have one on only PR and reaching out. We have one that's only doing graphics, somebody who's working on the websites, one person who's only looking at our emails. You know, it's very specific. Um, but that also makes the people that we work with really, really qualified. Um, so it's everything, actually. The whole, the whole business is built on 25 freelancers. And I think in, you know, the current climate, what's going on in the world right now, this is something that I'm sure more businesses are going to look to replicate because you're able to scale up really, really fast. You don't have to worry about people, you know, having to get people out of your business as you reach certain levels and you change from, you know, very early startup into really that growth stage and then, and then onwards from there. It's, it's, um, yeah, I feel like we're going to see a lot more of that kind of thing. Yeah. I think so too. I think it's been, it was really a test when we actually started out wanting to build a business like this, but it's really been an amazing experience. And I think that in many ways, it's a, it's a much better organization that you're actually much more healthy organization. Absolutely. What advice do you have for women who have a really big idea and want to start their own thing? I think that it's a, it's a lot about passion. Um, I think that I've also had a lot of good ideas, but in some way they didn't really meet the passion, um, of what I wanted to create and like what my actual inner dream was. So anybody who wants to start something up, it's so, it's such a a huge thing and it's going to consume everything in your life. So, I think it's very important that you kind of, that the goal of the company is something that you're passionate about. For sure. That's definitely the case for me as well. We are up to the six quick questions part of the episode. Question number one, and we've probably touched on this a little bit already, but question number one is what's your why? Yes. Well, our why is that we did not want to create more waste in on planet. We wanted to make sure that we could create a product that would eliminate the single use industry because it's devastating how much, um, how much CO2 and how much chemicals and, and just in general, like how, how much waste that they produce. Totally. Totally. Question number two is what's been the number one marketing moment that's made your business pop? I think we had, we had a a marketing moment on Instagram where we, uh, we did a campaign where we had like, it was very simple. It was just a swab in its packaging, but it was just so precise because it said exactly what we wanted to explain, but we didn't put it in the text. As soon as you're a little bit political or a little bit um, 
if you have an opinion in some sense that could be political, then they kind of scrap your idea. So a lot of the things that we wanted to say about sustainability, we can't. But if it's in the image, oh, that's fine. <laughs> so I think that was kind of our, our big hit. That was the packaging and our swab. I love the packaging and the swab. Looks really good. <laughs> Question number three is where do you hang out to get smarter? What are you reading? What do you listen to? Who are you chatting with? Ooh, I think to get smarter, what we do, we do a lot of uh, meetups at the office where we're all talking and we're so different people that I think that it's such an amazing thing and an amazing place to kind of critique and, and, and get inspired by how we see that, how we want to individually solve a problem. Um, I think this is an amazing platform. I think when, when I really want to get inspired, um, I really, I look at other, not other zero waste companies, but I look at other companies that done really well. So, and this is such a classical example, but of course, if you look at something like getting a computer from Apple is something completely different from getting a computer from Lenovo. You know, it, it, the opening that package, just having everything wrapped in the way that like giving, really getting this gift. I think that inspires uh, us a lot. So we look at other brands that are from not our category. And this is something that, that has a huge effect on, on the kind of, that's kind of the people we talk to. That's other companies. <laughs> totally. Love that. Question number four is how do you win the day? And that's around your AM and PM rituals that keep you feeling happy and motivated and successful and productive. Well, I do lists. Uh, this is the only way that I can get through a day. I, uh, I would start any day with a cup of coffee. And, and then I do a list of the things that I want to have done. And then I mark the ones that I need to do today so they get prioritized. And when I'm gone through that list, I have my co amazing co-partners who've done a lot of lists for me that they think that I should get through <laughs> or that we have to make sure of. And that's where I look at that. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. Love a good list. Question number five is, if you only had $1,000 left in your business bank account, where would you spend it? Mm, I think I would remove two kilos of plastic from the ocean with plastic bank. <laughs> that would be like the final voice. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. And question number six is how do you deal with failure? And it can be a personal experience or just your general mindset and approach. I think most of all, you have to, when, when you fail and in general, because it's not an if, we all do it constantly. I think when we fail, we have to use humor. Um, we have to really be able to laugh about it. And I think it's really hard sometimes, but as soon as you kind of reach the curve where you can laugh about it, uh, and it's easier when you're around amazing people that you love, but then it, you've got, you've like, you've succeeded, you're, you've gone through it and, and it's successful. So uh, yeah, humor. <laughs> 
Amazing. Thank you so much, Isabel, for taking the time to be on Female Startup Club podcast today. I really love talking to you and getting to learn about your product and what you're doing to change the world. It's so inspiring. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. What fun questions. I'm really getting, um, I feel like I've, uh, I've been around things I don't usually talk about. So that's really fun. Ah, <laughs> I love that. Great. Amazing. Hey, it's June here. Thanks for listening to this amazing episode of the Female Startup Club podcast. If you're a fan of the show and want even more of the good stuff, I'd recommend checking out femalestartupclub.com where you can subscribe to our free newsletter. We send it out weekly covering female founder business news, insights and learnings in D2C, and interesting business resources. And if you're a founder building an e-commerce brand, you can join our private network of entrepreneurs called Hype Club at femalestartupclub.com forward slash Hype Club. We have guests from the show joining us for intimate Ask Me Anythings, expert workshops, and a group of totally amazing, like-minded women building the future of D2C brands. As always, please do subscribe, rate and review the show, and post your favorite episodes to Instagram stories. I am beyond grateful when you do that. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's June here. Thanks for listening to this amazing episode of the Female Startup Club podcast. If you're a fan of the show and want even more of the good stuff, I'd recommend checking out femalestartupclub.com where you can subscribe to our free newsletter. We send it out weekly covering female founder business news, insights and learnings in D2C, and interesting business resources. And if you're a founder building an e-commerce brand, you can join our private network of entrepreneurs called Hype Club at femalestartupclub.com forward slash Hype Club. We have guests from the show joining us for intimate Ask Me Anythings, expert workshops, and a group of totally amazing, like-minded women building the future of D2C brands. As always, please do subscribe, rate and review the show, and post your favorite episodes to Instagram stories. I am beyond grateful when you do that.